It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on a Monday, January 20th. That's right, the LA Galaxy have started their preseason. Happened over the weekend. First uh, big day of training was today on Monday. And the LA Galaxy will host their first media availability of the 2020 season on Tuesday. So January 21st as we're recording. A lot of stuff to talk about. Chicharito signed, done. We'll talk about that. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Ramon Alessandrini and his departure and any other little galaxy tidbits we can throw together here on a little bit of a short holiday week. All right. Uh, in order to help me out in this wonderful podcast back from his trip abroad, it is the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, what's up, buddy? Hey, happy Martin Luther King Day. Uh, yes, I was abroad. I'm the only one I think that I know of that made the... Um the trip to Curacao back home and then to Rome, Italy, 36 hours later. That's kind of a, a bizarre sort of routing system. But um, the, the trip to Curacao was work-related. The trip to Italy was for fun, a little bit of work. Um, I went with my wife, the uh, ta- ta- lovely and talented Mrs. Panda. Ms. We Panda, wound yes. up spending part of the time in Florence, which you may not know this. Florence was once home to three of the four artists for whom the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were named. <laughs> that's that's what I've heard. That's what yeah. I've heard. So that's that's an interesting tip. I'm glad you picked that up abroad. That's why we send you out there, Kevin. You know, that's one of the is to learn and be cultured like a that. A little bit of history. That's a right. A little bit of history. That's um, right. <clears throat> also saw a Roma game. Okay, how was um, that? That was great. Roma and Juve, it was a great game. Uh, uh, Juve won 2-1. to one. Uh, Interesting thing, though, we saw Cristiano Ronaldo score a goal, which is not a big deal. Scored on a penalty kick, and it just got me thinking. You know, after he scored, he ran to the corner flag and did his celebration, and people went crazy. Why, why do players celebrate after a penalty kick? I mean, I guess if it's the winning goal, I get it, but that's kind of like going nuts after a free throw. And because, I mean, you know, you should convert a penalty kick, right? About 90% of them or more are converted. If it, I think if the goalkeeper stops the penalty kick, he should get to run over to the corner flag and celebrate. But, well, but I, that never happens. And so I just thought Ronaldo scored like 11 million goals lifetime and he's a penalty kick and he goes crazy. I don't, and speaking of penalty kicks, I don't know if you saw this game in the Turkish League this weekend where uh, it was in stoppage time. Goalkeeper stopped the first penalty kick. But it was allowed to be retaken, and he was given a yellow card because apparently he came off the line too soon. Right. Stopped the second penalty kick, the retake, came off the line too soon again, according to the referee, who gave him a second yellow, which means expulsion. Right, red card now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. So they tried the penalty kick a third time, this time with a field player uh, as the goalie. He stayed on the line and stopped it. So... Uh, stopped three penalty kicks in a row, two by the goalkeeper, one by a field player, and won the game. Well, you know, there's there's different ways to uh, to to get everything done. Uh, now I, those guys should get to celebrate. I was gonna, you know, you you need to. You, soccer's supposed to be fun. I say celebrate. And first of all, the rule where you take off your shirt is is ridiculous. Like you know, the yellow cards. That's stupid. We should get rid of that. Um, but you know, if you score goals in soccer, even if it's a penalty kick, scoring scoring is hard. Even if it's a penalty kick. Um, so let's just let's celebrate them all. Why not? And and by the way, definitely allowed to celebrate against any old team. So if you have an old team and, and there's people always get riled up about this, I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, celebrate all you want. All you want, celebrate. You score a goal. Scoring goals is hard. You get to celebrate. So I don't know. That's that's my thinking on it. Um, let's talk some Galaxy. I, I know it feels anything like... Anything happened? Did he get any players <laughs> no. recently? No, no, it was quiet. Lose anybody or sign anybody, anything like that? I was going to say, do you plan your vacations around like breaking news? Is that what you do? Because it seems like every time you leave the country, stuff happens. Yeah, this was poorly planned this year. I Normally, we try to take our European vacations in December because we like to go to Christmas markets and stuff. And this time we couldn't get it together in time. We had some charity work we had to do just before the holidays and, and the calendar got away from us a little bit. And I thought, well, what the heck, you know, why not go during the, the winter transfer window? Nothing will happen. No, no. And not only that, but I missed the MLS Media Day as well, which is always one of my favorite events of the year. So, yeah, this was bl- bad timing on my part. I've got to 
I've got to start working on next year already. I was going to say, I miss MLS Media Day because this time they didn't put it on a weekend. They put it in the middle of the week, which is harder for me to make. So yeah, uh, I didn't get to make that either. But uh, we, we talked about that on Thursday. Uh, Sophie was there. Downley was there. So we got some uh, some insights there from, from Media Day and all that fun stuff. Uh, I guess the big news... Um, this is, of course, going to be big news to people who don't listen to Corner of the Galaxy, Kevin, because you and I have been talking about Roman Alessandrini not coming back to the LA Galaxy for what months? Yeah, and and really the the sort of it would the Galaxy's hand was tipped at MLS Media Day. Speaking of that, when Alexander Katai showed up wearing Alessandrini's number seven shirt, yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it all made sense. Again, we, we've talked about this. That At first, whenever the season ended, um, it looked as if the LA Galaxy, and they said so themselves, were in negotiations to try to bring back Ramon Alessandrini. Um, it didn't seem like those negotiations went very far, uh, and it's been silent now for a while, and we've told you that basically, you know, um, and I've been saying it, you know, Ramon Alessandrini is gone. The only reason we couldn't say that he was 100% gone was because if he didn't sign with anybody else, Kevin, he could always come back and sign for the Galaxy for like, you know, 60000 or whatever the maximum or minimum budget is on on a senior player like that. So we could never say 100% for certain, but we knew that he wasn't coming back. So uh, Ramon Alessandrini took the guessing out of this finally uh, when today on Instagram he put out a statement uh, to all of his fans and some of his friends, and he says, my journey in L.A. is officially over. I gave you my heart during the past three years, a lot of ups and downs for sure, but it has been the best three years of my life, and I will keep in mind only the positive things I've learned and the beautiful moments I've lived in LA on and off the field. So he goes on to say a whole bunch of great things. Uh, you know, basically, it's it's always interesting, Kevin, whenever you look at guys like this, because I said in, in my article, it's really hard to predict whenever guys are signed. Uh, in fact, it's impossible to predict when guys are signed how they're going to turn out in terms of how they're going to turn out to be as a player, how they're going to turn out to be a guy on and off the field. I mean, you know, if they've been to prior clubs, you can sort of get an idea of what you possibly could be getting. Um, but you never know the fan favorites. Whenever the LA Galaxy drafted AJ De La Garza in 2009, they didn't know he was going to become a fan favorite um, because there's a certain mix of things that have to happen. And I'm not sure I even understand what all of them are, but something happens along the, along the way where fans seem to gravitate towards certain players and you know like AJ like Roman Alessandrini Roman Alessandrini was a fan favorite I'm watching social media today I'm seeing all the posts on Facebook on Reddit uh, on Instagram and everything else of all the people posting their pictures with Roman Alessandrini and maybe that's a large part of it uh, everybody feels like they got to know the man um, but he's he's going to be sorely missed from this Galaxy team not for so much you know his 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 play uh, certainly his play was missed in 2019, uh, but he didn't get to play a whole bunch in 2019. But I mean, just more for the personality uh, that this guy had with the LA Galaxy. I just I, I think it's an interesting just sort of character study about a guy who left Marseille, Kevin, and, and the fans there didn't want him. Uh, he had a falling out with them. Uh, in fact, there were fans on the LA Galaxy message boards from Marseille saying, we glad you have him. We don't want him. You know, we, they were trying to warn us about Roman Alessandrini. But what we got was a guy who... Uh, who went out there um, and just battled like crazy. I mean, if you want to talk about a guy who was fun to watch, it was Ramon Alessandrini, 100% on the field every time, left gasping and out of breath at the end of every single game. Well, you know, there's a couple of things. First of all, I think the falling out in Marseille had a lot to do with the fact that Roman Alessandrini was from Marseille. He grew up there. He grew up as a Marseille fan, and, and he was invested in the club emotionally and in other ways. And when things didn't go well, I think he... You know, he was a guy that even here wore his heart on the sleeve a little bit. Let's remember there was a time when in the in the 2017 season, I believe it was, when the Galaxy were really struggling and playing very poorly. And, the, you know, there was a, support, a supporters group that refused to leave the stadium until someone from the team came to talk to him. Who was it that showed up to talk to them? Roman Alessandrini. Roman Alessandrini, yep. exactly. Here's a guy in his first year, halfway into his first year, and decides he's going to become the spokesperson for the club. Um, you know, and that that was the year with the uh, late great Jao Pedro. Yep. Um, you know, the team was was going to be built around him, and Ramon Alessandrini came along and sort of uh, became the face of the franchise. Led the team with 13 goals and 12 assists that year. The other thing about Ramon Alessandrini is, you know, he was committed to LA. If you remember, he bought a place, he bought a condo. 
um, he and his girlfriend had a baby that first year. They had a daughter, Naomi. He and his girlfriend, Fiona, had a daughter uh, who's now an American citizen, Naomi. Right. Um, Roman talked about getting a green card. He talked about perhaps someday becoming an American citizen. He wanted to stay in L.A. He may still stay. You know, who knows? But he was very committed to the team and to the fans. That first year, uh, where most players, all the European players, basically go home in the winter, he stayed in L.A. and worked out at the Home Depot. Well, there's then the... Um, uh, StubHub Center, yeah. <laughs> it was then the StubHub Center. Yeah, stayed there and worked out uh, all winter. His girlfriend did go home. He stayed here and worked out. So he was definitely committed. And and I think the one th- the reason I think he waited till today for the announcement was today was the official opening of camp. I think... He didn't want to. Uh, he didn't want to close any door until the door was closed. But I think when camp opens and you're not on that roster, and again, the new acquisition gets your number. I, I think by then he kind of knew what was going on. I know I did talk to some Galaxy, uh, high-ranking Galaxy officials. They had a very uh, positive uh, ad, uh, feeling about Roman. They liked him a lot. They wanted to to find a way to bring him back, but not as a designated player. Um, one quote I got was uh, from a, an executive with the Galaxy where he said, Ramon's a very good player. He's a difference maker, but he's injury prone. And an expensive player not on the field hurts you. And so I, I think they felt like, yeah, he would be a guy that maybe if he wasn't a designated player, maybe if he was under a million dollars, they might think about bringing him back. But you can't go to a guy who's a DP making $2 million a year and say, hey, would you come back for you know three hundred or 400000 I think they – Ramon might have done it, but I think that – they felt like that might be a little bit of an insult to him. It was better to let him go than to try to bring him back at, you know, a quarter of the salary. Um, they liked him. He didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't one of those things where the team was glad to see him go. There are other players that we know of where the team is glad to see him go. This was a case where they appreciated everything he did. And I think you're right about why he was loved by the fans. He gave everything that he had. Yeah, it, it was, and it, that was the thing. And I think that often maybe even led to some of his injuries. I think that he overplayed sometimes, uh, that he tried too hard. And I know people are going to say, that's impossible. Um, but, you know, there's it's a 90-minute game, and, and Ramon very often looked exhausted and without an, you know, a single ounce of energy left at the end of some of these games. And, and you just have to wonder what kind of toll that takes on his body. But, um, you know, as far as we're concerned and, and talking to him in the press, he's always been an extremely nice guy to us. I mean, you know, you couldn't, couldn't ask for more, tried to speak in English. Um, you know, his English was pretty rough whenever he started and was pretty good whenever he left. So, um, you know, all those things, it's really the five games played. Um, you know, you look at that in, in 2019, 281 total minutes. He missed three of the first eight games that the galaxy played in 2019, then got injured, you know, 16 minutes, I think into the, into a two, one win with the Houston dynamo on April 19th. Um, and then that was it until the playoffs. But you look at the impact that he's had, um, 61 games played. He has 24 goals and 22 assists. That is, you know, what? 46, uh, you know, uh, contributions whenever it comes to either scoring or assists. So in, you know, with 61 games played, he contributed 46 times to the score sheet, whether that was an assist or a goal. That's a really strong ratio whenever you look at that stuff. Um, but look, look at the fact you talked about his injury. That was a devastating knee injury that he suffered uh, that knocked him out for most of the season, required surgery. And I, I think most people wrote him off. That was, you know, he was done. He wasn't going to come back. He worked his butt off and got back in time for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he did. And, that, had, and had two assists. Kind of stuff yeah. And that, had two assists. Love. Two assists in the playoffs. I mean, this is a guy, again, you know, they, you had that quote, and it's a difference maker. This is a guy who had two assists. He came in, hadn't played it basically the whole season, you know, for 31 games, comes in in the playoffs, has an assist in the Minnesota game, has assists in that loss to LAFC. So he is a difference maker. He was a difference maker. I've seen some really bad takes by people saying, oh, you know what, he, I was never that impressed with him. And, and you look at what he was able to do in 2017, um, when you, when, when there was, it was the worst season in franchise history, but yet this guy goes out there and puts up 13 goals and 12 assists, um, in 2,400 minutes in 2018, even where we talked about his injuries starting to stack up a little bit, only 26 games played 23 games started, but still 11 goals, nine assists. Um, he was a guy who, who added to the score sheet and who was dangerous. Uh, he wasn't always perfect. It wasn't always great. He didn't always make the best play. Um, but, you know, I think if you're looking at what the Galaxy got for their money, I think that out of those first two seasons, they probably got what they paid for. Um, that th- it's just the third season that really sort of sticks out there as it being expensive and, and probably ended up costing the Galaxy a deeper run in the playoffs. 
Well, you know, when you talk about the money he made, let, let's look at the fact that over the three years of his contract, he made less over those three years than Giovanni Dos Santos made in one season. Yes. And who contributed more? The, there was one little, I don't want to say a dark spot, a little bobble along the way. And uh, there was it, in the middle of the 2018 season, he and Ziggy uh, had a little bit of a falling out. Ziggy wanted him to track back on defense. That was the one thing that Ramon really didn't do well. Uh, he wasn't the most disciplined player in the world. And, and Ziggy wanted him to play a little bit more defensive-minded. And it, there was a period where Ziggy sat him to try to get his attention. And, and they had a number of heart-to-heart -heart talks. Uh, and Ziggy didn't bend. And, and eventually, Roman came around to his side of it, I think. Other than that, uh, you know, I think he was sort of the ultimate team guy. And that's why I think the fans loved him, because it was clear that he was giving everything that he had to give. Yeah, it's it's again, it, it, this is not surprising if you've been listening to the podcast. You know, I've been telling people for, I don't know, at least a month that he was, you know, for sure gone. I had asked, you know, the Galaxy a bunch of times, you know, when are you going to announce that he's gone? And it's like, you know, it's not really our announcement. He's out of contract. It's it's whenever he it's whenever he decides he wants to say something, um, and so we knew, and we also knew there was the slimmest of slimmest chances. Somebody actually asked me. Uh, they said, you know, what is the chance that Allison Drini comes back to the LA Galaxy? I said he's ninety nine point nine percent gone. So that point one percent, there's your chance, um, and that just didn't seem in the cards, and, and didn't seem like it was going to happen. So uh, Ramon Allison Drini departs from the LA Galaxy. Uh, for the most part, I've only seen people say nice things about this man and his contributions off the field certainly are as important um, as what he did on the field. And that's why I'm able to see all these pictures of, that people took with Ramon Alessandrini is because that, that guy always stopped and took pictures. I mean, it, it's fun to watch whenever that happens. But uh, Ramon Alessandrini is a guy who uh, somehow was able to come in uh, and wrap the colors of the club around him and and sort of elevate that. Um, I, I wrote an article over on cornerofthegalaxy.com that you might want to check out about uh, Ramon Alessandrini and his going. Uh, have have one good line in there. There's there's a bunch of real just sort of crap up and down, uh, but in there's one paragraph in there that's almost good. So you should check that out. See if you can find that paragraph. So who wrote that one? Who wrote that paragraph for you? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it was probably somebody else. No, it was actually well, me. I stumbled across one. <laughs> well, I, and I just want to add that in in that Galaxy executive I talked to when he talked about Roman saying an expensive player not on the field hurts you. Um, I, I need to add that that he was also speaking. Uh, a little bit in the context of Jurgen Shelvick, yes. Um, you know, being a million-dollar defender who's who didn't even dress, I think, for the last seven games in the playoffs. So I think we we can uh, expect to see uh, an announcement about Jordan Shelvick's future soon, and yeah, I well, don't think it's going to be with the Galaxy. Well, you, you know, with Jorgen, everybody, you know, I, I got I got tagged in probably every picture uh, that they they showed of Jorgen at camp. Um, which isn't surprising. I, I, I wasn't surprised that he showed up for camp. I just don't expect him to be there whenever the, the season kicks off. So No, he has to come to camp or he doesn't get paid. I mean, that's part of the contractual thing. He may think he's not in the future, and the Galaxy may not think he's in the future too, but they have a contract. Yes, and for Jorgen to get paid, he needs to show up. Uh, and you know, the Galaxy have to honor the contract by allowing him into camp. I mean, it's not like he can be locked out or anything. So um, my understanding is that he is still um, desired in Norway, where he came from, Rosengard. Uh, he may be going back to the same club, but probably going back to Norway at some point. I would imagine the Galaxy are going to pay. I don't think uh, a Norwegian team is going to pay him a million dollars to come back. So I would imagine the Galaxy are going to have to eat some of that salary. But I think they'd rather clear a spot on the roster and clear, you know, whatever salary they do clear, if they, you know, if, if they can get half his salary picked up, then that's $500,000 in MLS. That goes a long way. Yeah. There, there's some, there's some reasons the galaxy still need to uh, spend some money on some places they need to spend some money. So, um, you know, it, it still seems like they're possibly targeting a center back. We talked about Carlos Zambrano a long time ago. Um, I have a feeling all that sort of shift, <laughs> shifted off to the side there, Kevin, whenever they were off chasing Chicharito, um, which we're going to talk about here shortly. Um, but it seems like that would still be sort of a target for them. And if not, I would imagine that they have other targets. So um, I, yeah, I, I well, would. Yeah, go ahead. Here's what I know about Carlos Zambrano. I, I spoke to him at the Galaxy last night, Sunday night, and um, the Chicharito thing was the 800 pound gorilla that pushed everything off to the side. And so. Um, where exactly they left off with Zambrano, this person wasn't sure. But what I, I know from uh, talking to Dennis and others before that is, uh, you know, he's playing uh, he's playing in, in Ukraine. Not Well, he's not playing. He's on a team in Ukraine. Right. He has a very high salary, but he's not playing. That team is very motivated to get rid of him. 
But um, I was told, and Seattle Sounders were very interested in him too, and may still be. I was told that the team uh, in Ukraine were, were making the negotiations very, very difficult. Uh, even though they want to get rid of the guy, it sounds like they're not motivated to make a deal, at least on the cheap. So this could be a deal that could go up right to the end of the of the uh, transfer window. Uh, where the team realizes that the best deal they're going to get either from Seattle or L.A. or whoever else might be the one they need to take rather than keep this guy and his salary on the payroll when he's not playing. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly an interesting one as we continue to uh, to talk about that. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's one to sort of keep your eye on. And, and by the way, there's reports that I think Seattle Sounders wanted them. Uh, there's also possible reports that Boca Juniors wants them. Uh, I don't trust anything that comes out of Boca or Argentina for the most part, because um, they seem to see they seem to say whatever uh, Guillermo wants or is after is that they're also after. So uh, it's one of those. So you just sort of throw your hands up, and say, okay, but whatever. This is a guy who's played recently, played a lot, and recently for it's not like he's injured. He's played for the Peruvian national team. Right. Um, he comes with a, a you know a very um, good reputation, um, but. In my mind, the Galaxy are kind of set at center back, aren't they? I mean, I don't they go in with with Giancarlo Gonzalez and Daniel Steris as their starters? Is this another situation where once again, for the third or fourth year in a row, where Daniel Steris has to come into camp and earn his position again? I, I'm kind of getting tired of this. We saw that with Dave Romney, and finally Dave had to leave. Um, you know, Daniel Steris led all defenders and starts last year in minutes played, and I thought he had a great season and. Um, if he's coming into camp again having to audition, that just seems unfair to me. Yeah, I, I would think that People Gonzalez has to audition, and you're talking about a guy who's you know a, a, a national team player um, who played in in World Cups. I mean, this is a guy who who really he shouldn't have to. But after the season that he had last year, how can you sit there and say that you have any confidence in People Gonzalez? So um, I think that there's enough there that you bring in another starter at center back, or at least somebody who can who can jockey for position. Um, I think that gives the Guillermo a lot of flexibility in sort of the formations that he wants to play. I, I feel like that there that if you can you can press those guys. I don't think that Dan Steris should be out there auditioning. Um, but I also don't think that either Steris or People Gonzalez should think that their starting spot is just exempt from challenge. Um, and so I think the Galaxy would have every right to go out and get a, a, a starting center. I mean, they had one last year, Kevin. You saw it. People Gonzalez, you know, um, you, you had you had those guys who were there. So you can you could say in a lot of a repeat of last year is, um, you know, are there going to be guys who are constantly sort of vying for this position? Um, so Diego Polento was there. Dan Steris was there. Um, and you had people Gonzalez sort of all sort of fighting for that. I don't know. Maybe that's how Guillermo likes to run his defense in terms of somebody already always be hungry. But I feel like they're still going to go out and get a center back. Well, and the there are very challenging parts of the schedule where they're going to need some depth. And, and I do think it's a good thing. I, I mean, I don't think Daniel Steris should necessarily be looking over his shoulder, but I do think it's a very good thing when you have players competing all the time for jobs and, and not being able to relax. That was a problem I think you saw in the latter days of Omar Gonzalez's stay here. Right. Uh, and, and he even admitted that, that he felt like he could come out and just walk through training and he was going to start every game. And it, it, it's, he said it showed in, in his performances that he wasn't hungry anymore because he just felt entitled to that starting spot. And it wasn't until he went down to Mexico and had to compete for his job again that that he uh, became a better player and so the idea that the you know, whoever it is someone's always looking over their shoulder and they're not guaranteed to start that's always a good thing it is uh let's move on now let's go to the chicharito signing uh that's let, a guy who's probably going to start I, I imagine you know it feels like that though right now it's you know, i don't know i think he's going to be a super sub like zlatan was going to be whenever he came in hey that that's what i thought <laughs> that's what you thought too. Okay. what an idiot huh <laughs> we're both we're, i remember when i when i uh, it, the thinking was solid. Right. The execution was bad. He was coming off an injury. He was an old guy. He was coming over here. Uh, I really thought he would be hobbled. He was in much better uh, condition <laughs> physically than I think any of us thought. But I remember when I mentioned that to Chris Klein, and Chris Klein almost uh, – I'm not sure if whether he wanted to follow her and, and laughter, whether he wanted to punch me, what he wanted to do. But his reaction was like, are you kidding? You don't bring Zlatan Ibrahimovic to MLS to sit him on the bench. I know. I mean, I, I was with you there at some point too. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, so you go back, and, and just to put the Chicharito signing in, in sort of – I don't know, some sort of window, some sort of perspective whenever you try to look at this, is that, uh, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming in at 37 years old off of a horrific injury 
that they have told talked about many times saying it should have been career-ending. There's no reason that he should ever be able to play. Um, and he comes in. That was... It was a risky signing in terms of you didn't know what you were going to get and you were betting a certain amount of money, at least in that first year, not a ton of money, but a certain amount of money on the fact that you were going to get something, right? And so when you look at Zlatan and what he was then able to do and what he was able to do for $1.5 million to begin with, that was always an interesting one even whenever you look back at that. But it's still a risky signing. It's also a signing, Kevin, by the way, that if I come to you and I say... Hey, Kevin, I have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, do you think you want him for $1.5 million? You don't really think about it. You just say yes, and you get it done. We've talked about that uh, before. Same with Steven Gerrard, by the way. If you if you hear Steven Gerrard is coming that wants to come to the LA Galaxy and you approach, and it's a, no, it's a no-brainer. It didn't turn Except out well. he came at $6.5 million. Yeah, well, I, hey, I, I get it. I mean, there's risk to all these, but there's some of these where you sit there and go, okay, there's risk in all of these, but you do it. And I think that as we look at Chicharito, that there's risk involved here. This is a guy who has not scored and not been an everyday kind of player now for a little while. Um, so if you're looking to, for him to be the center of your offense, there's some risk involved that he's going to be able to produce the level you expect him to be produced at. And you can talk yourself into it really easily by saying, oh, well, he's coming to Major League Soccer, and let's face it, the level of defenses in MLS is, is a little pathetic, uh, and that's across the league, not just on the LA Galaxy, across the league. Uh, there's a reason that goals have been, been scored at a record rate in recent years, um, and it's because more focus has been on offense than it has been on defense. Okay, that's fine. All those things make sense, and we can, we can agree on all that. Um, but it, it's still... Uh, you know, it's still a risk to go after somebody like Chicharito. And, and before we even get any further, I should tell you, this deal is complete. It is signed. It is done. It is ready to be announced. Um, and that was not the case until at least it seems like Friday at some point. Either Friday or Saturday um, of these last days, the deal was not complete in terms of sign. Now, everybody could have agreed. The paperwork could have been faxed between the two parties and that type of thing. But it had not been signed until basically uh, Friday or or Saturday, whenever everything was finally done, done and done, and, and signed and dried and all that stuff. So yeah, I, and I think it'll be announced Tuesday morning. Uh, some of you may have already uh, Tuesday morning be maybe gone, but before you listen to this pod. But but you're right about the other thing. You know, the MLS season is 34 games long, and we're talking about a continent-sized country. Um, Chicharito hasn't played that many has played that many games in a season just twice since 2014, and those were in you know in much smaller countries, Germany, England where he played. So the travel is going to have an effect. He's 31. He'll be 32 in June. Uh, he scored in double digits just twice since 2013. And in his career, he's top 20 goals just twice. And it's been a long, well, he did that in, in Leverkusen in 2017 was the last time, but before that was one of his first seasons at Manchester United. So although he's mixed, the Mexican national team's leading scorer, he is not going to put up, I don't think he's going to put up goals in bunches. I, I do think you're right about there's a huge difference between La Liga and the Bundesliga and the Premier League and MLS. So I do think that you can probably, uh, you know, put Chicharito down for 15 to 20 goals. But um, it, that's not going to make up for it by himself. He's not going to make up for what Zlatan did. Zlatan had 30 goals, 7 assists. That was almost two-thirds of the Galaxy offense last year. Yeah, yeah. but outside of one other player in Major League Soccer, uh, currently nobody's going to make up for the amount of goals that Zlatan you know, scored. Uh, you know, only Carlos Vela scored more goals than Zlatan last year. So there's only one player right now in MLS that could, that might single-handedly be able to replace somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, and having said that, you don't need that. But you are going to look for production across different ways. So you're going to look for production from, you know, Alexander Katai. There was a reason they brought him in. They're expecting him to make a difference. Uh, there's You're definitely going to be looking for goals from Christian Pavone, although I think that anywhere between 10 and 15 goals from somebody like Christian Pavone is more than enough. He's mostly an assist guy. Uh, at least that's what we saw at the beginning stages of him playing and sort of where his skills lie. So um, if you can get 10 to 15 from Pavone, if you can get 10 to 15 from Katai, if you could get, then get 15 to 20 
from somebody like Chicharito, then you, you've you've made up that difference uh, well, and, between and, everybody else. And, and don't forget Sebastian Lejet. I mean, he played, he laid back a little bit because Zlatan was up front. Right. Um, this team is going to play differently. So you can't look and say, well, Sebastian had, you know, didn't have a big offensive season last year. He's playing a new role. No, he's not playing a new role. He's playing the role he had to play when Zlatan was on the field. Zlatan's no longer on the field. Things are going to change. The team is going to play a little bit differently. And I think supporters should be really happy with the conversation I had with Dennis uh, earlier this year where he he seemed to be uh, saying many of the things that I've heard from supporters. He said, you know, the one thing that happened last year is we were not very consistent. We need to be more mature and more consistent. He's right. The Galaxy lost one of their first seven games, I think it was, and then they, they lost 10 of their next 15. You, you can't go through a season like that. He said they need to be more consistent. And he said, as for making up for Zalatan, he said – you can't make up for that with one person. But he said, so it's going to be a group. It's going to be a collective. They're going to have to make up for those 30 goals that have left. Forty. By the way, if you look at all the players that have left, 43 of the Galaxy's 58 goals are gone. So they have to make up for those. And, and Dennis was very clear that it has to be a collective. And without naming names, he said there's a lot of players on this team that have to step up. There's players that can be more productive, and they need to step up, and they need to play the way that we know that they can play for that to happen. And he, you know, he sort of was serving notice that, you know, some of these guys are may might be on a little bit of a short leash that they're right. going to have to produce if they want to play. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that, that all makes sense. I mean, you look at guys, uh, I'll call, I'll call out some of the guys. I think guys like Sebastian Legette need to step up. Uh, I honestly think, and you're going to think this is crazy, but guys like Christian Pavone need to step up. Uh, Guillermo Barrescoloto says we expect more last year. Um, so he's going to need to step up. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, as great as he was last year in the positions that the galaxy asked him to play, he needs to be better, and it's not so much better at covering more ground or being, um, you know, on the ball more, Kevin. It's more just scoring goals. It's being an offensive threat, not just a defensive sort of box-to-box guy. But he needs to score as well. Um, so you're gonna need those guys to step up. I think you're gonna need guys like Rolf Felcher to step up. Uh, you need guys like Daniel Steris to continue his ascent. Uh, he can't take a step backwards either. Uh, People Gonzalez certainly needs to step up. So you look at these guys across all these different things. Um, and there's some real chances for them all to step up and, and make this. And this Chicharito deal is really based upon the fact that they expect other LA Galaxies to get better. Um, and maybe that's because it's a different system without Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kevin. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, the Galaxy are expected to play more of a high-pressing 4-3-3 without Zlatan. It's a bunch of different things that should put the LA Galaxy in better positions this year. Um, and having said that, you know, the changes that get made by Dennis DeClosa and by Guillermo Berchicoloto in this offseason are all things that sort of you get to start judging now and seeing how the pieces fit together. There's sort of this myth that goes around that I've seen many times that the Galaxy needed to focus on defense last year. And you and I both know, Kevin, the Galaxy did focus on defense last year. They brought in a bunch of defensive players, um, but the defense didn't get better. So most of the, some of those players are no longer with the LA Galaxy, uh, which is sort of what happens whenever things don't pan out. So they're looking for pieces that fit together this time. And this Chicharito signing uh, is is an important piece to sort of putting that whole 4-3-3, more attacking, more high-pressing, uh, more pressure uh, puzzle together for the LA Galaxy. Well, Dennis knows Chicharito very well. He, uh, Chicharito was, uh, Dennis was with uh, Chivas de Guadalajara when Chicharito came up, he knows his dad, who was a coach there for a while. Um, he had Chicharito with the national team for a long time. So they know each other very well. And Dennis is aware of what he can do. And Dennis was very clear. He said, we need to have a personality as a team. That We didn't have that last year. We had Zalatan. We were firing high balls into the box and letting them head it, head it in. That That is not a sustainable uh, style of play going forward. Guillermo Barrascoloto came in from Boca Juniors with a very defined style of play, a 4-3-3, high-pressing, attacking. Chicharito can play that. Yes, he is a poacher. That's been his reputation. That's how he scores goals. But he played the 4-3-3 a lot, both under Tato Martino and, and uh, you know, under previous coaches with the Mexican national team. He played that style in the World Cup. So he can play that, that style. Of, he fits that style. And so I think you're going to see the Galaxy play a different way. And Dennis made the point, too, that, you know, when you look at our defense, you just don't look at the back four and the goalkeeper and say, we've got to make changes there. If we're going to play stylistically a different kind of game, then the defense is going to be asked to do different things. And, uh, you know, as Bob Bradley says with LAFC, who plays a 4-3-3, uh, the, probably the kind of style that, that Guillermo is going to play this year. 
Bob's always been very open that it, the defense is not the responsibility of the four guys on the back line. It's it's a team concept under this style of play, and that's why you're going to see. I think the the defense is going to be asked to do some different things. And so maybe just saying, oh, we need a big, strong center back is not sort of the philosophy that that's going to work with this style. So I do think uh, Tito fits this style much better. I do think the Galaxy will uh, this. Dennis said it's a three-year project to rebuild this team, and they're halfway through it this season. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. One thing, though, that I I think Bears uh, needs to be mentioned is, if you remember, if you go back to 2017 after Bruce Arena left, the Galaxy went really cheap. They dumped all their veterans and tried to put together a team of academy players. And you remember they got rid of $10 million in, in DP salary alone. The result was the worst season in franchise history. Clearly, that wasn't the, the Galaxy's MO. That wasn't the way the Galaxy have been put together. They've always been kind of the New York Yankees of MLS, the big established franchise that spends money and goes after the big-name players. I mean, look at the guys that have come through here. You mentioned some of them, but we go back to Jorge Campos, the first international player in MLS history. Then you had Hermosillo, Landon, Kobe Jones, um, you know Beckham, Gerard, Robbie Keane, all these players that come through. The Galaxy you know, are not a team of no-name players. So under Dennis DeClosa, if you looked at what they've done, first they gave Zalatan the richest contract in MLS history. Right. Then they signed Chitarito, who his contract, by the way, I don't think we mentioned this, is three years with an option for a fourth, by which time he would be 36. He's guaranteed $6 million a season, and he has a chance to earn an additional up to, I'm told, up to $1.5 million in bonuses. So that would be, seven, if he hits all those bonuses, and some of them apparently are very easy to obtain, that would be $7.5 million if, if that information is accurate. That would then surpass a lot. So you have the Galaxy and AEG giving out the two richest contracts in MLS history in back-to-back seasons. The team is spending. Christian Pavone, we don't know what he's making. We won't know until the union figures come out in June. But we know it's a lot because he's a DP. Last year, they... They bought out Gio Dos Santos. Uh, we don't know what that cost either because he signed with America halfway through the summer. But the Galaxy were on the hook for at least $6.5 million. So, you know, management's spending money. They have a blueprint now, and they're spending money to make it work. Yeah, it's real interesting. I, you talked about the incentives, and I heard some of those could even be, you know, likeness incentives, which which sort of means, in, in my mind, you know, licensing in terms of how many shirts, you know, the Galaxy sell when Chicharito gets a certain cut of that. That's, a, that's something that could be considered that that way i'm not saying that's what it is but it's those types of things or or if you know if he does uh you know if they have t-shirts with his face on them you know that then he gets a certain cut of those as well so those are some of the things that could push that number up to the 7.5 as well as i would have to imagine some performance bonuses um and and those types of things so you know maybe maybe win an mls cup get an extra five hundred thousand dollars those those are the sort of things that you could see I would guess a lot of it, given with the experience that they've had with Gio and with Ramon and injuries and stuff, I, I would guess maybe it's not so much goals as appearances or how many minutes he plays, those kind of things. But you talk about the marketing part of it. First of all, I, if I'm Joe Corona, I've got to start thinking about what I'm going to do with my number. He is a number 14. That's yeah, he's, yeah, number. Yeah, getting 14. Joe Corona actually, I think, changed his uh, screen name on Twitter to Joe Corona 15. So okay. I, I have a feeling perhaps 15 might be in his in his future. Well, I know uh, from talking to to um, uh, you know sport uh, jersey manufacturers and stuff that for the last decade since Chitarito made his debut with the national team in 2009, his jersey has been one of the best selling in the in the U.S. Where you know, I mean, the Mexican national team is is America's team. That's um, right. And Chitarito's had one of the best selling jerseys. It has been the best selling jersey in Southern California, home to six million Mexicans and Mexican Americans. Um, for most of that time. So he comes in with a, a big audience. I talked to him. I had a phone conversation with Chicharito in November when he was still playing at Sevilla. And we talked about that and he was surprised. He said he didn't know that he was very touched and he seemed very sincere in saying that he wanted to thank all the fans in Southern California. And he didn't know about that popularity, but he was really eager to get to know those fans. And at that time he, we, we talked a little bit about MLS and he said he was open to, to coming, but we didn't know that, you know, obviously that was in his future. Um, I expect him, uh, maybe one of his biggest contributions, uh, regardless of how many goals he scores on the field, to come off the field. I think the Galaxy, for all of their success, for all their MLS Cups, for all the, you know, the, all the things that they've done, and they hold all the MLS records, um, 
one of the things they haven't done is really make uh, significant inroads into the Mexican-American community here. Um, they and, didn't and, but, make it when they had Jorge Campos. Uh, they didn't make it with Hermosillo. Then all of a sudden Chivas came in and that was the Mexican team. And now LAFC, with their success and Carlos Vela setting the goal-scoring record, um, you know, the Galaxy now have a chance really to win over that Mexican-American market. And this is something that the team and the franchise has thought about for a long time. I've been told going back to even 2010 that Tim Laiwiki, when he was there as president of, of AEG, really wanted Gio Dos Santos. It took them four and a half years to put that deal together. But they were thinking of that as early as 2010 as a way to sort of, uh, you know, have some visibility in the Mexican-American market. And uh, now they've signed the guy that uh, if you could pick one guy, and all due respect to Carlos Bell and what he's done, Chitorito is the guy that yeah. is going to bring Mexican fans out. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because you know you talked about all the the Mexican players who have played for the LA Galaxy, and there and there's been a handful. Uh, you know, not to mention just in recent times, Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos, and you know now you have Chicharito, and you look at just what that will do, just in in terms of. And I was on a a, a, a podcast that focuses on Mexican soccer, and we were talking about you know the El Tráfico and sort of what that would do with Jonathan Dos Santos and Chicharito on one side and Carlos Vela on the other side. It's like okay, so if you watch Liga MX, if you're a Me- if you're a Mexican national team fan, if of those things that's a game you have to watch now um those are games that that you really want to see and for whatever reason and i certainly don't understand it but chicharito has always been sort of the golden boy of mexican soccer um and so you know during his tenure his popularity he doesn't seem to get judged as harshly as some of the other ones i mean even his move to mls which in a lot of ways uh some mexican players have made and and you know suffered sort of the wrath of of the uh of the country whenever they do it um you know, everybody's sort of talking about, yeah, it's a step down for Chicharito in terms of La Liga. But, you know, my argument is, you know, Liga MX is also a, a step down from La Liga. There's lots of places that are steps downs from La Liga, but they seem to be embracing that step down for him. So um, I think it's going to be interesting. I'll tell you, you know, you know what you're going to see at Dignity Health Sports Park. You're going to see the Chicharito jerseys from from Chivas, from Chivas, to, uh, the, from, from Guadalajara, right? And so you're going to have those Chivas jerseys back in a stadium that at one point used to house Chivas USA. I just just think it's going to be this weird sort of you know mix of, of things that you're like you never would have imagined that you would have seen it before um but well, all those th- things are going to happen well there's a kid in my neighborhood that's a huge um chicharito fan he even has a leverkusen chicharito jersey um it, but to address your question i think there's a number of things with chicharito that are a little bit different and, and this may sound a little bit funny but the crossover appeal he's a, a handsome good-looking guy who's very marketable bilingual his english has gotten much better um so he is a person that although he'll make inroads in the mexican uh, and mexican-american community he's a crossover guy he's a guy that i think is going to have a huge amount of appeal in the anglo community as well so that the galaxy have that going for them um you know as far as his overall popularity i think i really think the nickname has been uh, i mean there's a million guys named javier hernandez there's one chicharito he's one right. of the few guys in soccer uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot of guys in soccer known by one name, but if you say Chicharito, it's clear who we're talking about. If you say Javier Hernandez, you got to stop and think who that might be. So I think the nickname has helped. You know, the other thing is he had his his father and his grandfather both played for the Mexican national team. His father was a coach in La Liga in Liga MX, excuse me, um, and, and he's got that choir boy reputation. You know, it, Gio was the guy who. Um, you know, had the reputation as a partier and a carouser. And whenever anything went south and people looked at him and said, aha, he's been about partying. Carlos Vela was the one that uh, was suspended after a party went south a little bit in Mexico and then decided he wasn't going to play for the national team for a long time. He had a very uh, difficult relationship with the fans. You know, Chicharito has never had that. He's the guy who kneels at the center circle and prays before the game. And I'm not saying he's necessarily a choir boy, but I am saying he has that reputation um, and, and so I think fans have been a little bit more forgiving because of that reputation. They don't immediately think if Chicharito has a bad game, it's because he's been partying. It's right. because he had a bad game. That helps him a lot. And finally, I think the last thing is he didn't play much for the national team last year. At 31 going forward, I don't think he's in uh, the picture for the national team going into the next World Cup. I think Chicharito probably knows that too. And so I think when fans see him come to MLS, they're looking at, the fact that, hey, he's coming closer to us. We'll be able to watch him on TV. We'll be able to maybe even go to see him play sometime. Um, when they looked at some other players, they looked at the fact that these guys are coming back to North America and, and they're not going to be as strong for the national team. They're not playing the best competition week in and week out. 
I don't think Chicharito has that problem. I think most Mexican fans probably feel like he's if he stays with the national team, he's not going to be a uh, you know a frontline player anyways. So if he's going to make a move to MLS, this is a good time to do it. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. As you said, uh, right now the current schedule seems to be uh, the LA Galaxy making an official announcement on Tuesday morning. Uh, Tuesday morning sometime. Uh, all these things I should preface with are subject to change, but right now this seems to be the schedule. Uh, Wednesday uh, is the possibility of a Chicharito airport arrival. I don't have details on it, but that seems to be the plan right now. Chicharito coming in to Los Angeles on Wednesday. That could happen Tuesday night. That could happen Wednesday night. It could happen Thursday morning. But right now we're also sort of planning on, I know Kevin, you and I are leaning in that direction that a press conference will be held on Thursday to make his uh, official introduction uh, to the team as well. And and one of the things that sort of ties in with all that is the fact that the LA Galaxy did not hold their first day of official media availability on Monday, today as we're recording. They're actually going to do it on Tuesday. And when you think about it, what's the one thing? If you would have held it on Monday and you didn't have an official announcement on Chicharito and you were going to have the press come, what were the press going to ask all the players about and what could the players not talk about? which would be the Chicharito signing, right? So it makes a bunch of sense that Tuesday morning will be the day and then the press shows up on Tuesday afternoon. I think you're going to be there. Uh, I think Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, we're going to send him out there uh, to cover it on Tuesday as well. So um, they'll be able to talk about Chicharito coming to the LA Galaxy uh, because we know for a fact, we were told by Sophie, we were told by a bunch of other reporters who were at the MLS Media Day that the buzz around MLS Media Day and the thing that got asked a bunch to all the different players that were there was about Chicharito coming to the LA Galaxy. Uh, and nobody, of course, could talk about that because it wasn't official, but it will be official. So uh, that's that's something to sort of look forward to. Well, And, you know, it's just a bandwagon. I've been writing for a long time. Oh, I mean, when LAFC was coming into into fruition, I, I was hounding their guys all the time as Chicharito's the guy you got to sign. I just... I just felt like he was destined to come to MLS for all those reasons we just talked about. You know, the bilingual, uh, uh, you know, the ability to be bilingual, the crossover appeal to the Anglo and Mexican market. He's that one guy who, who it seems to me, you know, ticks all the boxes. And I, and I guess the question would be, it, it always made sense to me from the MLS perspective, and it was just waiting until Chicharito is ready. And so why is he coming? Well, he's not playing. He didn't play in West Ham. He's not playing at Sevilla. Uh, I still think he's a good player, but managers have, you know, guys that they like to play and, and formations they like to use. Chicharito's not getting to play. And he he said clearly when this uh, move was talked about, he wanted to go somewhere to play. Um, I think all things being equal, he would have rather gone back to maybe the Bundesliga or, or Premier League, but nobody was interested. He wanted to go somewhere to play. And Galaxy are offering him a chance to play. Um, his girlfriend, who is the or partner, he calls her his partner, um, the, the, the daughter or the, rather the mother of his child, uh, is Australian. She studied in the U.S. Um, and she uh, does not have a lot of Spanish skills that I understand. She's probably not totally happy in La Liga uh, in Spain. She's going to be overjoyed coming. She's a model. She's going to be overjoyed coming to L.A., English dominant city, a uh, place where she can you know, continue her career as a model. I think that's part of it. He's going to be much closer to his parents in, in Guadalajara so they can come see the baby. That's something that motivated Carlos Vela. Uh, and then, you know, with the Galaxy adding those incentives to the contract that makes him want to go out and, and maybe do a little bit of marketing, do some commercials and stuff, that's going to help him financially in the future. It's going to help the Galaxy. I, I think it was one of those things that was always going to happen. And, um, and, and the fact that he doesn't have to worry much about the Mexican national team. I think that played into it, too. He's not going to take that criticism that Carlos Vela and Giovanni Dos Santos took when they came. So I think for, for Chicharito, it was finally time for him to come for the MLS. I think this was a move that was always going to happen, and, and, and maybe it took a little longer than we thought it would. By the way, uh, if you want to know the rabbit hole that I went through over the last probably week and a half, I will tell you this about uh, his, his, his girlfriend, his partner, uh, the the mother of his uh, of his son is that she only trusts hairdressers in Australia and Los Angeles to do her hair right. So there there's another motivation there that I don't think everybody so was sort of on she there. She flew she would fly 12 hours to get a haircut. I mean, it seems that she would at least like go that's I, I'm just telling you what I read, my friend. Okay? This is just I read these things, I look, it's from she said it. I'm not like it was it was somebody else. I'm just this is the rabbit hole I went down. She only trusts the LA has her hairdresser. That's where she wants to go. This is we're getting the motivation here right, okay? This is this is all happening. This well, is all. you know, this is something that Bruce Arena was was really ahead of his time on. He knew that LA was 
part of the draw for these guys. And when he brought Steven Gerrard here and and Ashley Cole for sure, I know those two for sure, but maybe maybe it worked with others too. He sold L.A. Uh, above MLS and everything else. It's like come to L.A., has everything that you want here. You can walk the streets without being recognized and hounded by paparazzi all the time. This is the place where you want to be. And when you hear stories like that, like, um, you know, you know Chicharito is not going to sign with Sporting Kansas City um, when you hear about his 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 girlfriend saying that she only gets her hair done in Los Angeles. And you hear about Zlatan saying he wants to be, uh, you know, a movie star someday. Um, that's why these guys come to L.A. And it's really an advantage that the Galaxy and to a lesser extent LAFC uh, have over a lot of other MLS cities. And I think that's why you see the big stars in MLS, for the most part, going to New York, L.A. and 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 maybe Seattle because it's a West Coast city. It's a big city and it has a real soccer vibe. But, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of the big name stars going to Real Salt Lake. I, I think Miami is going to give L.A. a run for its money, especially with David Beckham, part of the management group there. But this has always been a recruiting advantage for L.A. I don't know. The The fans in Miami are already unhappy. They're talking about bait and switch. They were promised big names. Camp opens zero big names. So they're upset. They're angry. They're pitchforks up and up and anger. There's two things uh, I have to follow up on. Is One is anytime you mention Sporting Kansas City, I just think about that time you told said Dom Dwyer would never leave Sporting Kansas City and went to Orlando. That was so every time you make an example and SKC pops up, I I chuckle to myself. See, um, even Dom Dwyer was too big for Sporting Kansas City. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's how it was. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I wonder, we talk about, you know, being able to come to Los Angeles and in, in, in the relative anonymity for these soccer stars. I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, one of the biggest soccer players in the world, could go, you know, hang out at the Strand down on the beach. And for the most part, yeah, he would get recognized, but it wasn't like he was mobbed. He could still go out and, and do things with his family. Um, do, you, do you know what Steven Gerrard told me? When he came here, he said on his first day in town, he went with his daughter to uh, Santa Monica Pier, and he said they spent the whole day walking around the Santa Monica Pier, and he told me that that was the first time in his daughter's life that he was able to go out in public with her and not be hounded by autograph seekers and people wanting to take pictures. And I said, that's amazing. How old is your daughter? And I thought he might say three or four or whatever. Right. She was 12. 12 <laughs> years. Yes. He couldn't go anywhere. Yes. And the first day in L.A., he goes out, and he's not bothered by anybody. And, and those kind of stories get around. And by the way, you mentioned the Dom Dwyer thing. So – Let's vote. What is my biggest, among all of my screw-ups, what's the biggest one that I had? Saying Dom Dwyer would never be traded, or was it saying Zalatan would come off the bench? I I mean, they're both pretty up there, but I was yeah, with... they're both pretty bad. I was with you on the Zlatan coming off the bench thing. I remember having that conversation with you and being and agreeing with you on that. So I'm going to say it was definitely the Dom Dwyer thing, so I don't throw myself under the bus um, on that one. I think, though, if you look at it, and now we have to give you your, your props, I mean, you willed Chicharito coming to the LA Galaxy. You willed that into existence. I, I'm convinced there was no rumor before this. Kevin you do one interview with Chicharito and you're like, yeah, I think he could come to MLS and why not the LA galaxy? I mean, they have a designated player spot open. And next thing you know, I'm seeing like rumors of this stuff. And I was convinced for a good, I don't know, 30 days that the only reason people were talking about this was based upon your rumor. And if you go back to the rumor tracker, you can actually go and find that rumor. And it says that in that it says, this is Kevin Baxter's fault. He willed this into existence. Right. I didn't know Dennis was reading my stuff. I, it's, if that's the case, we're all in trouble. All right. If Dennis listens to the show, if he reads your stuff, if he reads my, we have problems. Well, right. I was worried when he called and said, how do you say that name again? Chicha. To, how do you say yeah. it? Yeah. Can you put me in contact with someone? I heard you yeah, talk to him. Do you have his number? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have his number? That was, that was how it goes. All right. Uh, the LA Galaxy schedule coming up this week. Uh, this is our first weekly schedule of 2020. I'll give it to you. Um, you know, Monday, uh, basically the team returned. You have the Galaxy training at Dignity Health Sports Park on Tuesday. Uh, that's supposedly around 9 a.m. with media availability following training. Wednesday, off-site training, which I'll tell you about in a second. Uh, and then Thursday back at Dignity Health Sports Park at 9 a.m. Uh, with media availability following training. Again, we're anticipating a press conference on Thursday, so that's what we imagine that falls into. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, training, 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 and then Monday again back at it training. There's a lot of training in here. We saw the guys running beep tests over the weekend. We saw some uh, some sprints and some different running that was going on. Valdecantos, Javier Valdecantos back out there, Kevin. The butcher. He, the butcher, the murderer. Uh, he's out there, and he's butchering and murdering as you can see the pain and anguish on a lot of their faces. Uh, Larry was joking around that these guys better come into, into camp in shape. 
Um, so that'll be interesting. I think one I think one player that's not there right now is Emiliano Insua. I'm told that he should be there soon. I think it's just paperwork and visa and you know the visa stuff and the inter- in the ITC the international transfer certificate, getting that all together so that way you can officially come and join the team. I was told that doesn't seem to be any problems with that. If you followed any of the news around New England, New England canceled a transfer today, Kevin. I don't know if you saw it, but they canceled a transfer because they couldn't get a P1 visa for one of their guys. We don't know what the reason was. At least I didn't see it reported, but those are some of the hurdles that sort of come into this stuff. If you can't get a visa and they can't come in and work, transfers get canceled. Um, they will not go through. So that's all uh, all interesting thing, but we expect Insua will be there um, pretty soon. You know, this is a real um, motivation now for guys to make the U.S. national team because they have that January camp, which keeps you away from your MLS team until <laughs> February. And so guys like Julian Araujo are missing the first three weeks of Hell Week with, uh, with the Valde, butcher out yeah, there. With I'm Valde sure Cantos. he's celebrating. That's right. Um, the off-site training was interesting. Uh, I saw that listed, and I know last year they did some things where like they went to a hotel and got bus to a hotel and did some stuff where they had like some group exercises. Um, my joke is that uh, this is sort of like in cross country in high school. Whenever I ran uh, cross country, and they were like, "We're going to run down to the beach so that way, then we can do sprints at the beach, so then we can run back from the beach." So offsite training is like going down to the beach and uh, and running around and doing sprints so that way you can uh, you can do that. Um, I, I think it's it's funny. I, I I think that if the LA Galaxy ever wanted to just sort of blow the doors off of like this preseason training stuff, Kevin, is have an open training down in you know Manhattan Beach on the strand there where the where you watch the LA Galaxy actually train on the sand um, I think that that would be an event that not too many teams can sort of replicate uh, owing to their certain circumstances where uh, in most places they're under snow and they have to relocate from their normal training place uh, to somewhere where there's sunshine a lot of teams make Southern California their training home uh, Real Salt Lake usually uh, used to train down in Irvine I don't know if they're still down in Irvine well uh, Seattle's here Toronto's here yeah I mean you look at that Colorado I think is coming as well if you just look at the preseason season games uh, that are going to be held. And we should point out again, uh, Saturday, February 8th is an open training session and a post-training barbecue uh, at Dignity Health Sports Park. That starts at 10 a.m. Saturday, February 8th. And then we get into the preseason games. Saturday, 15th, Saturday, February 15th uh, at Dignity Health Sports Park. You have the LA Galaxy versus Toronto FC at 3 p.m. Uh, and then the very special day. And by the way, you know, planning this and, and sort of putting it together, I realize there's some synergy in numbers here and I'll help you out on it. But uh, February February 22nd, uh, the LA Galaxy will face off against Chicago Fire FC, and we've already told you, save that date. You need to be at that game because we will have a live show at 2 p.m. between the two games that are happening at Dignity Health Sports Park. So Toronto FC kicks off versus Colorado Rapids at 12 p.m. That game will be over at 2. We go live from 2 to 3. At 3, the LA Galaxy will kick off versus the Chicago Fire. And if you're having a difficult time remembering when it is and how it's going to happen, uh, our live show is on 2.22 at 2. Okay? 2.22 at 2 p.m. That's how you and can remember. And Ch- Chicharito will be there and will sign autographs and take selfies afterwards. <laughs> no, I, right, I, I, right? Don't, I don't believe that's the case. No, but I <laughs> no. like that. I like that. If you want to will that into existence, like you did the, the whole transfer rumor, I mean, do you get a kickback from, from Chicharito for for you guessing correctly and now him coming to the, uh, to the LA Galaxy? I'd, I'd want my money if I was you. Um, but no, looking at all this, that's what you want to do. Uh, so 2.22 at 2 p.m. Uh, on the concourse somewhere. We will tell you where that is as it gets narrowed down, but you need to plan on being at that game. We will be there. Kevin, you're going to be there? Right. You know what? Let's have it section two. Is there a section two? There's a 102. We could. Deuce, we could deuces I, are wild. Yeah, I, we could, we could, I don't know. I'm actually, there's a, there's a place where I'm trying and hoping that we're going to get it, but I don't want to say where that is yet because I don't want to jinx it and I don't want to send you in the wrong place. So once we get that nailed down, we'll tell you, but we are telling you live show 2.22 at 2 p.m. It'll uh, be at, pandemonium. It will be pandemonium. Uh, let's see. Uh, you're going to be there. Uh, I think Sophie's going to be there. I think Larry's going to be there. I think Eric's going to be there. So we should have all the co-hosts um, there for the live show uh, before the game. So um, that's what, uh, that's what we have plans. So we're already making plans for that. And so hopefully we'll have some fun stuff there as well. So uh, I think that about does it right now. Kevin, is there anything about Chicharito that we didn't talk about? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm looking through all of my notes and, and trying to see uh, if there was anything else. Oh, there is one thing. Yes. Um, there was reports, and certainly on Thursday it got a little crazy, uh, that the Chicharito deal was in danger of falling through. Not um, true. They, well, I, yeah, I don't. Here's the thing. I can't confirm it. 
Um, the two people who are reporting it, Roger Gonzalez from CBS Sports and Jeff Carlyle from ESPN, are two of the people I trust. Um, and they do a really good job. So if they got told by somebody within the Galaxy organization, which they said is a Galaxy source, that could mean within the organization, that could mean within MLS speaking about the LA Galaxy, although usually you call it a league source. Um, if it's a Galaxy source, um, then somebody told them that. Uh, whatever motivation, and Larry Morgan hit it on the head with this, and I missed it, and somebody pointed it out to me after the podcast, but Larry said, you know, I wonder what would motivate somebody within the LA Galaxy to even share that information because it doesn't seem like something they'd want to come out because it looks bad for them if they don't get it signed. We all agreed on that on Thursday. Um, so anyway, just talking to everybody, I also talked to a source, uh, close to the organization and I was told that they had no clue where those reports came from. No clue in terms of that everything seemed fine. Everything was fine at the time. Um, and that there were no issues. So it's really interesting to sort of see how that played out. I don't know what that means in the, in the large worldscape of things, Kevin, uh, but just the little panic that sort of rustled through the galaxy community and, and quite honestly, probably through a little bit of the world football community, hearing that the deal was in doubt, um, suddenly coming and, and finding out maybe it never was, or at least not well, from people well, I talked to. I don't think it, there was ever a problem with it. And a couple of theories on that. One is a lot of times you hear those those kind of talks when um, when trades are being proposed, um, you hear rumors that, oh, one side is prepared to walk away. And, and that's to put pressure on the other side. If Chicharito is motivated to come here for many different reasons and word gets out that maybe the Galaxy are thinking of walking away, that puts pressure on his camp. That was not the case in, in, in this situation because – Chicharito's people were in the room with the Galaxy, and they knew what the Galaxy's intentions were. So the Galaxy didn't have to play the media card, um, so that wasn't happening. Um, if anything, I think what it might have been, well, there was two things. One is I think the rumors started because the deal was taking so long to get done. The rumors had had it as, you know, a, the agreement was done, the agreement was done, and then all of a sudden the Galaxy started dragging their feet. Um, and not really dragging their feet with the contract, they sent their whole – you know, social media team over there. They filmed a bunch of, of footage of, of Chicharito doing things. You know, the press conference, which is scheduled for Thursday, is going to be Chicharito Palooza. It's going to be over the top, and there's <laughs> going to be all kinds of stuff. You know, they went to Manchester and filmed Zlatan with a lion when that happened. So th there was a delay because the Galaxy were trying to get all their social media stuff in a row, and I think people felt like it was taking too long. Another possibility would be on the Chicharito side, he took a huge pay cut to go from West Ham to Sevilla because he was promised that he would have a chance to play and it looked like a good situation for him. So his contract was three years, $9.7 million to play in Sevilla. And I think it didn't work out. Four months later, all of a sudden, Sevilla is going to send him to the Galaxy. And I think maybe the Galaxy looked at that or Chicharito looked at that and said, look, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not taking another pay cut. I'm not even taking the same amount of money to make this change. I'm going to, to a completely different continent to play in a completely different league. I'm fine with that, but you're going to have to pay me a little bit more money. And so he essentially got double what he was making in Sevilla. And I think that could have been part of it. I think the Galaxy may have come into the room saying, look, we're going to take your contract two, three years, 9.7. What do you think? And Chicharito's people rightly came back and said, you're going to pay us to make this move because we're much more valuable to you in LA than we were to Sevilla in Spain. And, right. and I think that's a good call by their side. And I think maybe the Galaxy maybe tried to to act like they weren't going to go along with that all along, but they were too they were too deep into it. They had to meet his demands at some point. And there may have been a little bit of a dance over that. If there was ever any kind of a hiccup, I think that's what it was. Yeah, like like I said, can't confirm in a hiccup, uh, but the, two, the people reporting it certainly seem to think there was one. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those. You continue to dig. Sometimes we don't hear about these things for, for months, years tens of years uh, until people either get fired and they and they want to talk finally or, you know, until somebody uh, drinks a couple too many glasses of red wine. Um, so that's uh, that's usually whenever you hear about all the things that have happened. And hopefully, uh, you know, Dennis can really share a lot of well, what is good, what how that happened. I think that'll be one of the things that will be sort of tried to be break down or, or broken down at the press conference as much as possible is how did it happen? You know, there were reports that there were worries about this. Were there any? Are those real? Um, or did everything go nice and smooth? 
smooth because, you know, I was hearing nice and smooth may have been the way it actually happened. So uh, all interesting stuff to sort of put in your back pocket. But the LA Galaxy uh, have landed Chicharito. I can tell you and I confirm the signing was complete on Friday or Saturday. Um, and that's when it was officially done, done and done. So we don't have to talk about done in quotation marks anymore. And on Tuesday morning, uh, unless the schedule changes, the LA Galaxy should announce uh, Chicharito uh, officially. So that's what Chicharito's coming. Chicha- what? Who told you that? Did you you wrote an article about that? It's just a rumor. I, I never it's... thought it was a good idea. <laughs> that's, that's what... He's coming off the bench. <laughs> He's coming off the bench for sure. With so, Dom Dwyer. That's what we got. Again, save the date two twenty two at two p.m. at Dignity Health Sports Park live show corner of the galaxy. And don't say one. People are going to believe that, and then they're going to go there and they're going to be like, "You guys aren't here." I'll have a map eventually when we figure this all out and get you guys going. Uh, so that's how it goes. All right, lots of events coming up for the LA Galaxy. We told you about those. Chicharito coming. The LA Galaxy still have to fill out a roster. I've got I think twenty one players on the roster right now with Chicharito, maybe 22 with Chicharito. That means eight more still to fill out. Uh, there's going to be some depth signings, and I wouldn't be surprised if we show up to uh, training tomorrow there, Kevin, and, and you see some some trialists in there as well, some guys that you don't recognize. I also think there's a whole bunch of LA Galaxy 2 guys there as well, so you're going to have to sort of sort through all those, and we'll try to do our best to do that. All right. Uh, anything else, sir? I guess that's it. Yeah, we're good. That's good. I'm glad, I'm glad you're back. It's nice. I, I didn't like texting you whenever I knew it was, you know, 3.30 in the morning, although I was hoping you were secretly up every night, um, you know, waiting on all those Chicharito stuff. So, Well, uh, you know, I did write a Chicharito story from there, and uh, Mrs. Panda was none too pleased about that, so I had to kind of lay back after that. I, I understand. You, you do the Lord's work, and we appreciate it. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11, uh, and of course, go to LATimes.com for all of his soccer writing. That's where you can find him. Um, all the stuff covering Chicharito, all the stuff covering the LA Galaxy, Soccer in Southern California, U.S. Men's National Team, the Women's National Team, soccer in the United States, and sometimes even around the world. Kevin has you covered right there as soccer writer for the LA Times. Check it out. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Gessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can read all of our articles. A good one about Ramon Alessandrini up there you're going to want to check out, so don't miss that one right now. And of course, we'll have all the coverage of Chicharito, Larry Morgan out at training on Tuesday. We'll have updates on that as well. All right, I think that about does it for Mr. Kevin Baxter, the Panda. I'm Josh Gessman. Pato, you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.